Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We're going to do a little bit of a midweek conversation here with Dwayne Lowry. How's it going, Dwayne? Good, uh, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm in North uh, Pratt, Nebraska, and uh, got a got a text from you that said, "Hey, maybe we should have a conversation." And uh, you know, we've had some some pretty good strength in the market since the uh, the report there. So, uh, what you got cooking? Well, a couple of things. I just thought I'd try to offer some perspective on. Um, first, I think before we talk about what might or might not be an opportunity, I want people to think back to just a week ago, uh, just a few days ago, and uh, maybe even look at just how one has felt over the last two and a half months. And uh, I think that helps to put into context what has happened since the USDA report. Um, these corn from Sunday night has gone up 40 cents. Uh, November beans from Sunday night has gone up 45 cents. None of these prices are super fantastic. None of them are prices that we just, uh, you know, have total confidence in marketing our entire crop or anything of this nature. But in the context of how it has felt for the last few months and in the context of what we thought the future looked like in terms of opportunity and how best to manage to try to find a profit and crop insurance, potential payouts, potential government, subsidy payments somewhere down the road, and all these different factors, um, we're now being given an opportunity that, you know, we kind of hope to get, and it's happened very quickly, and uh, I think it's just worth uh, kind of thinking it through kind of seriously. Um, first thing you have to ask in the case of corn is, Anything changed um, since the report, and to what degree has it changed? Well, we lost approximately 900 million bushels worth of production, but because people have, you know, a questionable view towards demand, you know, how full uh, and aggressive will ethanol come back online? What's the future hold for the livestock industry? Um, all of these factors, and you've gone from People expecting carryout to range anywhere from three to as high as four billion, and now you've got people thinking that after the report, we're probably still dealing with a carryout that's at least two and a half billion, and maybe three billion or slightly higher than that, depending on how they factor in yield and, and final demand. So even on the low end of that projection, at two and a half billion bushels. That's a lot of corn. That's a plentiful supply. And if you want to take a look at the carry-in that we're going to have from the last year's production, which is going to be somewhere around 2.1 to 2.3 billion bushels, and then you add into the supply that we're going to have from uh, the 2020 crop, you're talking about almost 17.3 billion bushels of probable total supply between the old crop and what will harvest this fall. And if you go back, that's going to be a record supply at harvest time if you take the carryout from the previous year and the, the uh, expected supply of, the, of that current year. Um, it's going to put your that total supply figure around 17.3 billion bushels. The next highest level that we've uh, ever had was in 2000. And 16 and 2017, we were, when we were at 
billion bushels. So uh, those are the two highest ones. The next highest level was in 2018, and we had 16.5. Just to give you a perspective, you go over the last 10 years, a lot of these times we're in the 14.5 to 15.5 range, um, and then the, the lowest we got down to was probably around 12 or 13 billion when we had some uh, crop problems um, back in 2012, et cetera. So the scope of that supply is probably going to weigh on spreads, probably going to weigh on basis. That was kind of a, a expectation before this week's report, and I'm not sure that expectation changes all that much because of this report. To the extent that weather is a factor in the current rally, um, <clears throat> it's a possibility that weather is a part of it, but I think much of this rally has been driven by just sheer forced uh, liquidation of shorts that existed before the report. And so, um, you know, we also have to ask ourselves, are we dealing with an overall situation between supply? And I've just talked, shared that we're basically going to have a record supply of total corn on hand at, at the, at the uh, end of this year's harvest. And so are we dealing with something that uh, has changed our oversaw supply into something more scarce or less plentiful and not really. Um, we've also got a situation where the weather market per se that we're dealing with right now is not about current problems or crop stress. It's, uh, it's about potential that's heat and dryness that may be in the forecast and the extended models and how long that may last. And none of us know, but um, I think that for the producers that have bushels that they have to sell at harvest time, they're not going to have storage for. For the producer that feels that he still wants to make sales in advance of harvest because he thinks that their uh, prices might get cheap enough to have a crop insurance payout, or he anticipates um, uh, and a good enough supply based on his own crop conditions that he fears uh, December corn futures might still have a run at three dollars um, then looking for a place to sell here might not be a bad idea and these are at we have we achieved like 363 in these corn on Wednesday's trade and over the last few months we talked about an optimistic hopeful uh, level that we might get these corn up to 360 or 370 and we're kind of in that range. Just my own personal technical viewpoint, I think we might be within about 10 cents of the upper limits of where we might go. I don't think there's 20 cents upside in the corn here. Uh, that's based on technical interpretation as I would interpret it. And then of course you've got, you know, how weather's gonna factor in. So I, I just think it's worthy having a discussion to put things in perspective. And I'm, I guess I'm gonna pose a question to you, Chris. Um, do you think that there's merit in looking at the entire landscape of all that might be in front of us and thinking that uh, we might have to deal with marketing crops at prices that are not profitable by themselves or not uh, favorable, but we make the decisions to market it because we're trying to avoid marketing at, at a lower level? Do you think that's a reasonable approach or do you think we're dealing with something macro that makes that uh, viewpoint wrong? Well, I think two things there, Dwayne. 
first of all, your question on the the bushels that have to go off the combine. I think we had that conversation offline and I think maybe even online some too um, after the report or somewhere around there where you and I were having a conversation. And, and the way I look at it in our own operation as well as with a lot of our clients is that you got to figure out a, a, a price opportunity between now and, say, October, and we're probably likely going to see some sort of a harvest low sometime in mid-September or sometime September, October, November, wherever. Nobody knows for sure, but you're going to see some sort of a harvest low. So, you know, what I like to do with our own operation is just to start selling into the market. I think I told you offline in our own farm operation, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I started making some small incremental sales the day of the report on that first initial rally just because, you know, we all know the obvious when the when the rally begins. The problem is is knowing when the rally is going to end. And so if you sit there and wait for the rally to get to the level that you think it should be to, I don't know that anybody really knows where that two number is, you know. So you, you got to look at it as an individual producer and say what works what keeps us in business, you know, how much risk can I tolerate, how much can I afford to lose, how much can I not afford to lose, and also what other revenue streams may come in on a per bushel basis. Also, some of the the growers that I'm talking to right now have a phenomenal crop coming on, and the fastest way to lower your cost of production is increase yield, and that makes your your selling uh, number that you need to achieve to achieve some sort of a margin target or a less loss scenario um, a lot closer. And so I still don't come back to what you, you know, your first part of the question of these bushels that have to go off the combine. I think we just got to watch that real close. Everybody's got to make their own executive decision. Um, but, you know, and, and kind of, kind of joking here, but, you know, usually everybody in our, our, my family's operation that has, uh, marketing to do they usually wait about three days after after I start selling and then that's about the time to sell because I have a tendency to um, pull the trigger a little too quick um, but you know tomorrow's three days so I don't know maybe that's telling you something but but uh, you know I, I think there's an opportunity here and, and from my observation with clients the the best marketers that we work with are the ones that reward rallies no matter what and, it, and, it, and they're incremental. They're not like big sales, but they incrementally will work into uh, uh, increasing market because you never know when that thing's going to turn and go the other way. And, and I think, like you said, weather's a big deal. Uh, like I said, I'm in, in Nebraska right now. I drove pretty much clear across the state all the way to the sort of the western, western portion of the state and uh, a lot of good rains in the middle part of the state. But as I got to the western part, boy, the dry land, corn is starting to look really tough um so you know everybody's got a different situation you just really gotta gotta look at your own numbers and and do the calculations that's a long answer to a, a concise question well it was a, it was a good answer the um the other thing that you had mentioned you know other things that might come into play like maybe you could get a better yield that would help add to your revenue and things of this nature um another thing to look at You've got these 20 corn um, on Wednesday settled at 360. July corn of 21 settled basically at 380. So you got about a 20 cent spread there. 
um, I had mentioned that we had three previous large supply uh, harvest time periods, 16, 17, and 18, that during that those three years, the uh, Deese July spread got out to 27, 30, and 28 cents. This year, we'll have a larger storage rate uh, calculation uh, from the Board of Trade um, for to determine cost of delivery or cost of holding um, deliverable supplies. That could allow that spread to go out farther, maybe by as much as a dime or more from those numbers that I just gave. So if you look at these spreads and just rough it, say approximately 30 cents in the spreads at 20 cents now, if a guy were to do sell futures in Dece at 360 or do an HTA in Dece at 360 and then by the time we got towards the end of the harvest season, that spread had widened out to say 30 cents, then that 360 HTH is going to translate to 390 uh, HTA in the July. And uh, so there's might be opportunities here where people might even uh, do HTAs or hedge their uh, farm stored inventory as well, not just the stuff that they have to move and hope that they can roll in a wider carry structure and pick up that carry and start dollaring up revenue that way. And I think that's something that shouldn't be taken too lightly and I think it should be considered as a, a, a good opportunity. And um, so I, and as far as basis is concern, concerned, if we're gonna have the largest supply ever at the harvest time of total old crop and new crop supplies, it's not unreasonable to think that basis could be relatively wide. Many locations have already widened their new crop basis over the last 60 days, say. And uh, mm -hmm. so I don't know how much wider it can get, but it, it could get worse. And uh, so, you know, you, you want to try to avoid making sales during that distress period if, if that happens to come into play. And um, so I, I just think there's opportunities here that need to be considered. Um, yeah. I thought we might have, you know, a period of time for this to digest, but shoot, we were up 10 cents here today on Wednesday, and all of a sudden, you, you know, just a couple of days, you're 40 cents off the lows, and I don't know that we actually have a weather problem that warrants a faster pace than this, and I'm not totally confident even the loss of a roughly $900 million in supply due to 5 million acres of uh, smaller uh, planted acres um, you know, there are other factors that come into play that whittle away at that reduction because of reduced demand or perception of reduced demands, at least at this point in time. And, you know, if you were to ask people, you know, just several days ago or probably any time over the last two and a half months, you know, if you just said, well, do you think you'd be willing to sell at 360? And everybody would have said, absolutely, sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, now all of a sudden here it is. And um, I know it's here fast, and I know we, there might be merit in thinking that we actually do have some time here. We may, we may have more here. I'm not trying to imply that it's absolutely all over here, but I am implying that we are getting up to a price area that the next 10 cents might come more diff become more difficult to get, and it might be difficult to get much more than that, even with some weather issues, because we don't have weather issues on top of a crop that's really in trouble uh, in, as a large statement about everywhere, there are areas, of, and you're, you're in one of those areas right now in western Nebraska, and 
over the next two weeks, they're going to see some very hot temperatures in the central and the southern plains. And so those dry land, dry land acres probably have some trouble ahead. Uh, but every year we have some area with trouble and, and uh, you know, we have to look at it in, the, in that bigger picture as well. Um, the other thing I want to point out again, I've mentioned this last couple of podcasts, I'm, I'm pretty keen on looking for opportunities to sell the 2021 crop for this kind of the same basic reason we have uh, we, we are have a situation where we're growing more than we're consuming and so each year we're looking to add the carry out unless we can sharply reduce acres or unless we can you know suddenly find new demand and both of those might be difficult to get and with these 21 at 378 July 22 at 395 having sales on the books there now is going to look uh, very attractive to your lender when you start to have those conversations about pricing the 21 crop. And if you happen to get caught in a year where prices are sliding down into harvest, that conversation with that lender for the 2021 crop might be occurring at prices when they're on their very bottom side. And um, I think some, some sales in the books might make that conversation go a lot better. One last thing I would say along that line about the timing, nobody knows when the low will come in, but in the last three years that we had supplies as close to what we're going to have this year, 16, 17, and 18, you know, in 18, we peaked on May 25th, made the low on September 18th, and then went in the 30 cent range in th through the end of harvest. On In 17, we peaked on July 7th, had a steady decline in erosion that lasted all the way into late November, and in 2016, we peaked on June 17th, we declined in the September 1st and then had a 30 cent range in sideways activity all the way through the end of November. So all those three other three years with the supply similar to what we expect to have this year, only not quite as much as we'll have this year, they had a, once the market slid, they might have found a bottom, but they couldn't really rally. They just traversed sideways through harvest. And so if that happened to be what we were dealing with again this year, that 2021 financing conversation with your lender is going to look a lot better if you have some of these more attractive sales on them because of the carry in the futures market. You know, these, these 21 levels and July 22 levels, these are relatively attractive sales that wouldn't have been a bad sale really any time during the last several years. I'll ask you, Chris, how much is – if you could sell bushels at harvest time versus selling them, let's say February or March, and you put them in storage, et cetera, how much do you feel that that costs you to to uh, store those bushels and and uh, take them in and out of the bin? What what is a, how many more cents is that uh, harvest price worth to you if you don't have to uh, hold it in the bin? Well, it depends a little bit on your storage costs, whether it's commercial, obviously, or on farm. But just the interest alone on corn pushes about three cents a bushel per month. So you, you know, if you're selling uh, October, you know, versus your March, you I mean you're talking, you know, probably thirty, you know, twenty-five to thirty cents. But then you, you know, you've got you've got your storage costs on all that and everything. And the other thing too is moving. Whatever has to go off the combine, I just, while you were talking, I wrote down the three reasons why I agree with you on 
specifically, anyway, the bushels that are going to have to go off the combine. And then I agree with you on incrementally plugging in some sales on, you know, that multi-year um, thing and everything too, because just as we look at profit manager and we look at cost productions, we can kind of, we can kind of buy some inputs and kind of align some of those things. So, so I'm, I'm buying into you with that, you know, and obviously we didn't rehearse any of this. I, I grabbed a beer and some pizza and I'm sitting here chatting with you <laughs> for, for this, but I, I did jot down when you were talking the three reasons why I agree with you on um, maybe, you know, incrementally trying to get some sales on the books here now for the 2020, what has to go off the combine specifically for the reason that most of us need some cash flow uh, for sure by October. A lot of guys' lines of credits are, are pretty full by that time. Um, so you get some cash coming in, even if it may not be the price you want exactly. Um, again, like I said, the cost of money, you look at that interest, that carrying cost, you know, the storage cost, carrying costs, the whatever. I mean, it just adds up every month. And then the final thing is is the beautiful part of all this is what you've essentially done is established a floor on those bushels. So if you're not happy with that, you tend to see some sort of a harvest low, like I said, at some point. Well, there's going to be opportunities or ways to reown that, right? You know, you could you could – you know, buy futures, you, there's, you can buy some call options, there's some things you could do on those bushels as you deliver them to to maintain some level of ownership to leave the top side open. So sure. for those for those reasons, I concur, you know, and I didn't know what we were going to talk about for sure in this podcast when <laughs> you said, hey, give me a call, we need to talk. So I think I think this has been a been a good conversation to just to kind of plant the seed that, you know, hey, wake up, uh, pay attention, run your numbers, look at your situation. There's some, there's, you know, we're done sitting on our hands here. We've had a 40 cent rally. Uh, wake up, I think is the message. Is that right? Well, um, maybe a little softer message, but yes, that's, that's <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's the message. But yeah. I would say this, that also, if you're looking for a crutch that gives you confidence maybe in making some corn sales at prices you kind of do feel that has merit. Um, even though I can see some short-term downside risk of beans of, you know, 40, 50, 60 cents, you know, something like that, uh, if we, you know, manage to avoid a, a serious weather threat and a storyline and things of this nature, we might have that kind of weakness here over the next few weeks. Um, but um, with that being said, Maybe there's an argument to be in, you know, more aggressive on the corn sales side and maybe if being less aggressive on bean sales and kind of holding that back in case you do have some sort of a weather threat that develops a little bit later when it might be more important to uh, soybeans. Maybe if you didn't make as much sales in, in soybeans and kind of held back on those, but did get more aggressive on corn because that's where, you know, some of the more uh, plentiful and, and excessive supply scenarios exist are more related to corn than they are to soybeans. Um, you know, there might be some merit in, in leaning on that as a crutch to, to give you some confidence. And, and I know people don't like to look a, a crop year ahead, but uh, – I, I would just encourage everybody to kind of run through the numbers on this 21 crop and especially run through 
how that conversation goes with the lender and what your cash flow uh, statement might look like if you are forced to use, you know, a sub 350 price for mm -hmm. D21 or something like that, which is certainly conceivable. So yeah, and, and a lot of things to uh, kind of focus on here tonight, but. I did want to throw that out, and, and so what were you going to say, Chris? Well, I was going to say, you know, it doesn't hurt to call the lender either. You know, you're not, your lender's not your necessarily your market advisor, but on the same token, having a conversation about what you're thinking on a multi-year sale is never never a bad conversation with the lender either. I mean, it just kind of keeps him in the loop as well on, on some of what you're thinking. It's interesting you should mention that because I had a conversation uh, with a a uh, prominent ag lender here within the last week and I purposely had the meeting and discussion for to ask exactly that question saying if producers are dealing with the 21 crop and it's time to start planning for that I asked him directly I said how are you going to feel about producers either having hedges cash flow contract HCAs whatever it may be secured at these kind of prices on uh, uh, 2021 crop, how, how are you going to feel about that versus them not having anything or having uh, prices that are 30 or 40 cents less than that? And uh, we had this discussion before this report came out, but in the papers that I gave him, I put these prices in as a possibility post-report. And I asked him, I said, if this opportunity presents, how is that viewed on your end of the desk by the farmer that brings in and has that sales? And he he said that the price level would certainly be far more attractive, which is a plus. But he said they like the idea of knowing that the farmer is taking a proactive step and making those sales, making those commitments to uh, with the intent of trying to make a balance sheet and a, and a cash flow statement work. And then he brought up the fact that those prices at harvest time are are worth more uh, than just that price if you compare it to what the price you'd have to get to have the same net value, you know, later in the winter or early in the spring. So he was very, very uh, enthusiastically supportive of the idea. So I mm -hmm. think that it's something that is definitely needs to be a consideration. Yeah, because to your point in that question you asked about, you know, the cost of keeping the grain, carrying it, the storage risk, the there's just a, a lot of expense to that electricity and handling and getting it in the bin, getting it back out of the bin and all that. And again, it's different if you have the facilities and you're set up, but but uh and everybody's scenario is different. But yeah, I like the point of having that conversation with the lender and and uh I concur. I think that was that's good. Anything else, Dwayne, before we wrap stuff up? Yeah, I'd just like to throw out one other thing, too. Um, you know, are we still trying to function in troubling times? I mean, do we have – what's the election uncertainty going to be? Riots, you know, protests, celebrations, depending on who wins and how they feel about it? Are we going to be dealing with coronavirus, a second flu season, another flu outbreak? You know, what are all the other – black swans it used to be a black swan people have to ask what what just exactly what does that mean a black swan and now it's it feels like every you, every time a bird flies overhead you, you're just assuming it's a black swan but uh, uh so you know we we have a lot of uncertainties in front of us and and we don't know what it's going to be we don't know what how the weather's going to pan out 
But we do know there is some merit in looking for prices in this time window. And these aren't the greatest prices, but given all that we're dealing with and still going to be dealing with a plentiful supply, absent a major weather disruption from here forward, um, these prices might look good. And if, you, if you're questioning whether they're looking good right now, you certainly thought they looked good you know, 48 hours ago and, and four weeks ago and, and eight weeks ago, these these prices look good. These are the high, where we're at right now, you know, these are the highest uh, bean prices have been since March 6th. They're the highest these corn has been since March 30th. So that is, gives you a kind of a scope of where we're at, how long we stay here, whether we got another 10 cents here or, or whether we got anything more than that. I'm not sure, but we are into price areas that, you know, uh, it was considered reasonable and hopeful and maybe overly hopeful uh, during the last couple months that we might get this levels. Well, here here we are. And how long this stays, I don't know, but we got a, a long holiday weekend. We've certainly uh, chased some buyers into the market and short covering with a 40-cent move in corn since Sunday night. And we've pumped in some weather fears and whether that can be maintained or built upon when we return after the long weekend, I don't know. But some, you know, we, we do know what's offered to us right now. Dwayne, thanks a lot. I think this was a great conversation. I think we'll wrap it up here, and and uh, we will be back in touch with everybody just as we did with this podcast, and actually the one right after the report as needed. Okay, thanks, Chris. Hey, Dwayne, thanks a lot. Appreciate your your insight and your time and thanks for prompting us on this and thanks everybody for listening again and we will catch you next time on the Ag View Pitch. And now to honor America, especially the brave men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and throughout the world, please join in the singing of our national anthem. The anthem will be followed by a flyover of F-16 jets from the 56th Tactical Training Wing at MacDill Air Force Base and will be performed by the Florida Orchestra under the direction of Maestro Yaha Ling and sung by Grammy Award winner Whitney Houston.